Yes, Jay. I'm just getting prepared here. So is everybody can see that we're in the classroom, room, right? Yes, Jay. This is the this is the fifth classroom on Skype. Okay, good. Because sometimes when you call me, I can't tell, you know, if we're in the classroom or not, because it just shows your name. All right, let's get started. Bismillah. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. We're starting on the four. The option in case of cheating. Nah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah ya Aba Saeedin al-Khudri. Are you back in the United States? Abu Saeed. I guess he cannot answer. Go ahead, please, Mr. Tyler Boyd. Start the class. Read the poem as well. No, I'm sure. Excuse me. I'm just I'm just loading it up right now. It's gonna be two more. No, seconds. no, no problem. No. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We are in the poem outlining fifth, the second major part, which is business transactions. And inside that, we're in the subtop the subtopic of buying and selling al buyur. Al-Bayur means to buy and sell, and business transactions have rules as well. Ten specifics are defined, conditions we must bear in mind, options, interest, roots, and fruit, because bad transactions don't compute. Advanced payments we pawn and make, collateral debt with loans we take, our words, our bonds we're bound to keep, a debt transfer when ends don't meet, patents, copy, residual rights, all help merchants sleep at night. And we are, we are reading from a summary of Islamic jurisprudence by Sheikh Salih Fozan. This is volume two, chapter number 27. We are on the, we are in chapter four, options and trade transactions, and we are on the fourth. The, type go ahead, continue. Fourth type of option. Option in the case of cheating. Here you could, each time you say option, you could also say the option in in, ca- in the case of cheating, okay? Now, the option in the case of cheating. If you'll excuse me, my phone's about to die, so let me switch. Okay, no problem, to... do it. Take care of that. Take that. Let me switch over to my computer. One second. Okay, no problem. Got it. You know? Okay, well, do Please. It. Please, and send it to me. To send it to me today, because if you, the longer you stay and you don't do something like that, you'll forget some of the things that you benefited from. Yes, okay? sir. Okay. How many days were you, were you overseas in, in Kuwait? I was there for 13 days. 13 days. So could you give me 13? Could, this is what I want you to do. But every day you were there, I want you to go through what happened the first, not what happened, but just sit down and think about what did I benefit the first day? Day one. Tell me one benefit for every day. At least yes. one benefit, okay? Yes, sir. All right. Yes. Zach Lucky, I really, really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Right. Alhamdulillah. Right. Let's get started. Bismillah. Start again from the beginning because we went off for a while so we can put this tape together. And, and uh, let's see. Go ahead. Start again. Bismillah. Yes. Bismillah rahim We are on a summary of Islamic jurisprudence, and this is the fourth type of option from chapter four. The option in the case of cheating. Cheating in a trade transaction means to swindle by making the commodity's advantage visible and concealing its defect. 
In such transactions, the seller keeps the buyer in a state of darkness so that the latter would be unable to see the defect. There are two kinds of such transactional cheating. Number one, hiding the defect of the commodity. Number two, displaying the commodity beautifully in order to raise its price. All kinds of cheating are prohibited, and the Sharia Islamic law permits the buyer in this case to cancel the deal as he has paid the seller for a false quality. In addition, if the buyer had known the truth, he would not have paid that much. An example of such cheating is keeping cows, camels, or sheep without milking for a long time before displaying them for sale to make the buyer believe that they always give a lot of milk. The Prophet ﷺ said what translated means. Do not keep camels or sheep without milking for a long time, for whoever buys such an animal has the option to milk it and then decide whether to keep it or return it to the owner along with one saw of dates in compensation for milking it. Another example of such transactional cheating is hiding the defects of a house or a used car displayed for sale to deceive the buyer. A Muslim trader must tell the truth about his commodity for the Prophet ﷺ said what translated means the seller and the buyer have the right to keep or return goods as long as they have not parted. If both parties speak the truth and point out the defects and qualities of the goods, then they will be blessed in their transaction. But if they tell lies or hide something, then the blessings of their transaction will be destroyed. Thus the Prophet ﷺ states that telling the truth while buying or selling is a means to get Allah's blessings, whereas telling lies causes the blessings to be destroyed. And a question that is to say, yes. What if the, the 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 buyer was truthful, but the seller was was lying? Does that make the blessing like gone, even though it's only one sided? No, the, the blessing is never gone when one side has been Alhamdulillah Afwan. From the adab, to start off by saying Alhamdulillah. The blessing never gone for the one who began with the name of Allah. The blessing is never gone for the one who was sincere. The person is never cheated, just only cheated temporarily in this dunya. Allah is So don't think the blessing is always gone. However, to, I do understand your question. The person who cheats, who swindles, or these types of things, he has lost blessings. Hmm. Yes, sir. Always a blessing. There's always a blessing for the believer. And there's a dua that we, we can ask Allah. Allahumma, yani al-istaghfullah. Allahumma fi musibana wa khliflana khayran minha. What is Allah. the beginning part? I Allah. forget. Allahumma jurni fi musibati wa Allahumma jurni or Allahumma jurna fi musibatina wa khliflana khayran minha. Oh Allah, Reward me. Give me the reward. And this is my ajr because Allah has promised to pay. This is my, my due salary because Allah's messenger has told us that the Prophet, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a salary 
for every hardship we go through, even if we're pricked on our finger. Right? We get a payment. Allah is paying us for that. This, if we understand this correctly, that we're getting paid for the suffering we go through by Allah, does not make our life a little take a different tone, the hardships and things. Right? Because you're getting paid to do this. And then we say, and make what comes as the Khalifa after it, the thing that comes next, better than the, the, the Musiba. After every one hardship, we get loads of Yusura. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Jazakallah khairan. Okay, and also, we, we, we also learn astaghfirullah. We, no. What does it say in Surah Al-Duha? Al-Duha wa-Layli in the Sajama. Okay. Alam al-Shara laka sabarqa wa-Ba'la'aka wa-Zaka al-Ladhi yanqara. No. Besides the Surah Al-Duha. Al-Duha wa-Layli in the Sajama. Ma'a wa-Ba'aka rabbuka wa ma'a wa-Ba'la'aka 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 Right? So here Allah is saying the end is going to be better than the beginning. It's a promise from Allah. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Continue. We are on page 28 of the book, but page 45 of the PDF. Thus, the Prophet states that telling the truth while buying or selling is a means to get Allah's blessings, whereas telling lies causes the blessings to be destroyed. That is to say, a little money gained through telling the truth is blessed by Allah, but much ill-gotten money gained through lying has no blessing at all. The fifth type of option. The option in the case of defect. It is the option given to the buyer to cancel or confirm the deal because of a defect. In this case, the commodity has a defect before sale, and the seller has not mentioned it, or he knows nothing about it. The legal principle that gives the buyer that option in the case of defect is that a considerable defect usually reduces the value of the commodity, or decreases the material of the commodity itself. In order to judge such a defect, the buyer should consult experienced, trustworthy traders. If they consider something a defect, the buyer is legally permitted to cancel the deal. And if they see no defect that reduces the value of the commodity or decreases its material, the buyer has no right to cancel the deal. Therefore, when the buyer discovers and verifies the defect after concluding the deal, he is legally permitted to confirm the deal, taking due compensation, which is the difference in price due to this defect for the loss caused by this defect, or cancel the deal, giving back the commodity and taking back his money. Sheikh left out the class. I had a question. Oh. He just left out. Oh, thanks for letting me know. No problem. So, bro, you were, you were in Kuwait? Yeah, for, I was in Kuwait. For 13 days? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Nice. Like a, a Dota. We did um, a lot of tafsir. We did like Surah Al-Fusilat all the way to Surah Tahrim. 
And then um, it was a lot of Aqidah. We did like Aqidah to Wasatiya from Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. Aqidah to Ashab al-Hadith. Uh, uh, Ahl al-Hadith from Imam al-Sabuni. I think he's like a mm. chef. Did uh, a book called Usul al-Imam from Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. We did Akhlaq uh, al-Ulama by uh, Imam al-Ajuri who died in 360 Hijri. And... Okay. Uh, did, we did those books and those tafsir surahs I mentioned, and we got to um, sit down with uh, different scholars and ask them questions and stuff like that. Everything was paid for. Everything you just had to get a ticket, and um, you just had to know Arabic. Um, it was nice. Mashallah. Met a lot of brothers all over the world. It's nice. Mashallah. It's really nice. Alhamdulillah. What was the organization? It's called um, the Dora. The committee is called uh, the Dora is called Dora to Khalifa to Ali ibn Abi Talib. You know, mm. they do like by like uh, what is it called? A bi yearly, bi yearly, two year, two times a year, two times a year, like every year. So they do one mm. like in the one time right before. Like in the winter time around this time, and then they do one like in October. Um, okay. Yeah, so it's every year. Again, you only have to like be able to speak Arabic and be able to buy a ticket, and they take care of you. Especially like it's people from all over just coming like out of Kuwait, and they they just basically house them, food them, transportation to the classes. You don't even really have to have no money if you really don't got want to like buy nothing on your own. Wow. Like, or food, and you really just got to buy a ticket. I know people that ain't spend no money. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's good. It's a good blessing. Good opportunity. Shows you, like, where you are in, uh, in your studies and stuff like that. Also, hmm. and, uh, see, you compare yourself to other students around the world, see how, how you are. Uh, yeah, that's good. I'm How'd you how'd you rank yourself? Uh, this was my third one that I went to. This is my third. No, but one. I mean, how'd you how'd you rank yourself in terms of your progress with the other students? Um, I think I would. I think I think I, I was like above average, probably. A lot of a lot of the people that yeah, a lot of people that was uh coming as daughter. A lot of my new students, you know, younger people. Some of them are younger people that just like really started like wanting to learn like study and stuff like that. You know, they might know Arabic and stuff like that, but they really never like covered anything like, you know, um, right. Yeah. So even the last Dota, when we went through a pseudo fit, it's like many people lost. It's many people lost. Mm. That. So yeah, I would say, um, I would say, yeah, I would say that. I would say that. I think we have a big nightmare from what we who we study with, Aki. We really do. Mm. We really do. Yes. We really. Yes. Do. Really do. Um. Okay, listen. Welcome, yeah, alhamdulillah. I had to do some some changing around. One second, let me go get my computer again. I had to move change houses because for some reason my my internet dropped at the other house. Give me one second, and please we have to start the whole recording again. One second, please. Okay. Nah, but. I think we uh we really have a near my We really do. We really do. 
I agree. I think it's like a, I always used to say this. I told you Shake this before when I first started learning with him. But before I was Muslim, it was these uh these rappers that that I used to listen to. And I used to say, like, man, these guys are really it. But, like, nobody listened to them. Nobody was, like, hip on them. You know what I'm saying? They didn't know about them. I mean, if only the people knew. And I, and I feel like this way, same way, or what we're mm. doing. But they're lost. Like, every, I would tell people, like, yo, this poem is like, I'm telling them, I'm, I'm reading Outline of Fit in uh, First Grade Fit to this one brother from Philly. He was like, man, this is nice. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, no, these guys weren't from there. But even that other people I met in it from from the Dota, these brothers from the UK, telling these poems and stuff, they'd be like amazed and stuff. Like one brother, he wanted to even buy some. Some guy messaged me a couple of days ago. He wanted to buy some first grade flip, outlining flip and things like that. Okay, Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Are, are you able to patch this together, Tyler Boy? Yes, sir. I can patch it together. Okay, good. Don't let's, worry about let's that. Start. Okay, well then, go ahead. You continue then. I'm sorry. We, uh, what happened was, let me just explain what happened right quick. I was in Dowd Bay's apartment, and his apartment is next door to my apartment. So my my computer picked up his Wi-Fi on his Wi-Fi, right? And so when he left to go to the store, it dropped. And my internet doesn't work in his house for some reason. So I had to come back to my house and restart my computer in order for the whole thing to come back together. You know, it's one of those overseas weirdo things. You know. So pardon me for the the, the breakup of the class. Let's start. Bismillah. Start again, please, or wherever you think you're at, where you can put it together. Oh, no worries at all. We the the last part I read was the fifth option. Was there anything you wanted to mention about that option? Yes, it is. It is okay. Let's start again. The fifth option. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So we just talked about the option in case of a defect. You know, while I was listening to it, it is the option given to the buyer to cancel or confirm the deal because of the de- a defect. In this case, the commodity has a defect before sale and the seller did not mention it or he knows nothing about it. Okay, So this is why in this this is a natural rule here. Even the Kufar respect it and accept it when something is sent to you from the mail and you get it home or it's in a box. And you bought it from the store and you didn't open it up in the store. When you get it home and you open it up, if it has a defect, there's an automatic principle that you can return that thing. Okay? The legal principle that gives the buyer that option in case of defect is that a considerable defect usually reduces the value of the commodity or decreases the material of the commodity itself. So you can go back, get your money back or get a break on the product. And most stores will give you that break unless it's a cookie cutter store. Sometimes these cookie cutter stores have no authority. Mm. And that's why, and that's why you shouldn't do business with them. You should do business with people whose reputation pushes or decreases their business. Cause now they're, they're, they're inclined to do something for you. Okay? Go ahead. Yes, sir. The sixth option Option in the case of false price. 
This right of option is applicable in four cases. Case number one. When the seller claims that he will sell the commodity at the same price he has paid for it, and then the buyer discovers that the actual price is more or less than what the seller has claimed. Case number two. When one claims that he will make another his partner in a transaction, then the latter discovers the actual capital put by the former is less than what he has claimed. Case number three. When the seller claims that he will gain only a certain sum of money more than what he has paid for the commodity, and then the buyer discovers that the actual price is less than that. Case number four. When the seller claims that he will sell the commodity for a certain sum of money less than what he has paid for it, then the buyer discovers that the actual price is less than that. Okay, so in, in each, each one of these cases, I'm sorry, at one point, in each one of these cases, let's give an example. So here, when number one, when the seller claims that he will sell the commodity at the same price he paid for it. So he's lying. He tells you, look, man, I got these computers for a hundred dollars. I'll give them to you for a hundred. I'm not making no money on this deal. I'll give it to you what I got them for. And then let's say as a joke. And then a guy walks up and says, Hey man, he goes, your receipt. You just dropped your receipt. Uh, my boss said, if you want any of those computers, same as before, $75 a piece. All right. See you guy. And he walks away. Okay. That's an example of it. Number two. When one claims that he will make, and, and this can be happening like, like you, uh, Mr. Abu Saeed, you sell that, that seaweed, right? And yeah. so somebody could come to you and say, listen, man, I got this in the country. It costs me this amount, man. You just cover my expenses and, I, and that's it. That's all. I'm just trying to get rid of it. That's the same type of thing. And then you find out he's lying to you. Or when one claims that he will make another his partner in the transaction. Okay, me and you're going to be in business with this, right? And I'm going to go sell this stuff. Right? And I put in $500, so you got to put in $500. And you find out that he didn't put in $500. He only put in $100. He didn't even put in any money. He, the guy owes he, the guy something. He gave him some product or something else. And some other deal was made. These people are lies. You can't go. One guy said, never go in business with a guy who cheats on his wife. Why is that? Cheat on his you wife. Got, oh, yeah. You never heard of that before? Not a go in business with a guy who cheats on his wife. Do yes. you understand the statement? Yes, Let's sir. say you got you got a partner, right? He's, you say, okay, man, we're going to do business. And this Abdullah says, all right. And then you see him catcalling girls. Hey, baby, what's the deal, Lucille? How you feel? Yeah, man, you know. And then, you know, he goes and he's talking to these girls. Don't do business with that cat. Why shouldn't you do business with a guy that cheats on his wife, Tyler Boyd? If he can cheat on his wife, he can cheat you. Ain't no question he's going to cheat you. His wife almost died to give birth to his big head child. His wife is giving her whole life dedicating to him. Right? He has mad obligation to be loyal to her. And if he ain't loyal to her, his his mindset for loyalty is smashed. So never go in business with a guy that cheats on his wife. Okay? And you can add to that a guy who curses his father and all the types of stuff like that. You know, people like that, you, you know, they're going to have problems. So 
Continue. The next one. When the seller claims that he will gain only a certain sum of money, more than what he has paid, you're only making $10 on the sale. Okay? I'm only making $10. And usually he's talking to his partner. This is what the deal is. Let's say, for instance, I'm doing business with a guy and I'm saying, okay, we're going to sell Umrah tickets to people. And I talk to him. I say, okay, I'm going to sell him. How much is, and, and, and Tyler Boyd is in charge of getting the rooms. And so Tyler Boyd says, okay, we're going to pay, you know, we got to pay uh, $300 for these 10 rooms right here for 10 days. And I say, okay, no problem. And we're charging the people that say 350 for those same rooms or something like that. And so he said, look, well, I'm only making $50 off of this transaction here. Then I come to find out that the rules are actually $200 hmm. for that thing, to that period of time. I don't find out from him, but I, I start doing business with some other guy and say, okay, you know, we're going to do those rooms at this hotel. Hey, man, those hotels, that's expensive. They charge 300 No, they don't. They have room, those rooms are 200 Ma'aruf. And you go, you find out, say, no, we, we never go over 200 because we want you guys to make money. And he shows you an official document from the Saudi government. He says, no, this is how much we have to pay. We, I mean, we have to charge. We can't charge over this amount. So it's clear to you. What do you do? You know that that guy's a liar, right? Mm. And he's cheating you. The money, yeah. Yeah, he's cheating you out of money. Playing games. The second one is when the seller claims. Sorry? Again, I have a question. You gave an example of two guys in business. Um, would this yes. be the same? Would this be the same from the buyer and seller, where the seller just he's saying that I only got it for ten dollars in order to try to make a sale? The reason why I give you these examples is because the prophet, you missed the first, the other class, yesterday's class or this morning's class, I should say. Well, I don't know if it's last today or this morning, depending on where you are in the world. But the prophet sallallahu is teaching us business on a wholesale thing. He's not teaching us just to be a consumer. These examples are applicable when you're doing business with somebody. Of course, they're applicable when you're buying and selling from somebody. It's just on a lesser scale. Right. When you're buying and selling somebody on the street or at his business, that's one thing. But more than likely, more often than not, these things happen during the course of you doing big business with people. It's just like the rule of the, the, the wife thing. They cheat their partner. Definitely, they're going to cheat the, the consumer. Yes, sir. So, yes, to answer your question as well, all of these are applicable from a buyer to a retail seller. I mean, what do you call it? A wholesaler to a retailer. Everything is wholesale retail. Okay? Everything. Now, if you have a partner in the wholesale, that's another thing. So I want you to think on wholesale and the big time because that's how the Prophet really teaches us how to do business. Get into business for yourself, yes, as you already are. When the seller claims that he will gain only a certain sum of money, we did that one, right? When the seller claims that he will sell the commodity for a certain sum of money, less than what he has paid for it. And then the buyer discovers that the actual price is less than that. Let's do, I'll give you another example here. Me and you are in business to sell books. Okay? I say to you, and you're in charge of getting the book printed and bound. 
right? I'm in charge of getting the book copyright written and, and edited and everything like that. And then I hand it over to you and you're supposed to get it, you know, uh, bound and, 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 you know, bound and, and printed up. And you tell me, say, listen, man, the best I could do was, you know, a hundred dollars. Okay. For every hundred books, you know, but look, what I'm, I'm going to speak to the guy and he said, they'll give it to us for 90. He's losing money. He just wants to do business with us this time. Okay. He's losing money on the thing. And then I find out that no, it's not true. He's selling it actually for, let's say, $75 every hundred books or something like that. Just giving an example. Does that make sense? Yes. So he makes it seem like. I understand. So he said, just give us 90, but he really cost 75 and he took $15 off it. Right. And pretended that he didn't make any money in order to keep suckering us. Wow. Right. People do this stuff. You know, I used to think that some of this stuff was exaggerated and that really people weren't like this. But there, I, I now, once I became to the position where I'm listening to other people's Discussion, when I say discussions, I mean that other people are coming to me to be a judge in their affairs. I realize there's a lot of grimy people out there and they're doing the exact thing. More this than doing good business. More this Hmm. than good business. All over this whole morning and yesterday I was dealing with a company from from Bosnia. Problems and most of the problems, subhanAllah. All the people, 400, uh, what do you call it, uh, employees. The major problems he's having with the brothers who's claiming to be on a Sunday. <laughs> you understand? It is crazy. So what that teaches me is that, hey, man, just because a guy says his akita is right doesn't mean his practice is right. For sure. For sure. They okay, rent- but we, I... I thought differently. You would think that the hustle is that it would be, but definitely doesn't show that. Doesn't show that. And another thing it shows, it seems like those simple guys that we call Sufis and stuff like that. Some of these guys are so honest, bro. So honest. We go through their notes. They've kept good notes. You go to their, their business, you go to their offices. If he's doing storage, he has everything documented. Okay? Even when he did, okay, I get this guy for this, da, 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 da. I gave him off on that. Da, da, da. This guy came, he said he had messed up some sheets. I gave him that. Da, 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 da. This customer said that the sheet broke. I gave him that. Everything's there. You go to the other brother, he's like, come on, Afri. We don't have to do this stuff. This is the Kufar stuff. The Kufar program. This is man. We know we can bring this American guy in. You know? Mm. Yeah, you're laughing because you know it's true. You know it's yes, true, sir. Tyler Boyd. But you hear, but that's, that laugh is the laugh, laugh of, of acknowledgement. That you've seen yes, this, 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 this type of thing. So, yes, you know, sir. don't. Hard lesson. It's a thing we have to realize is that My father said this to me a while ago, a long time ago, actually. He said that, son, the, ma- the real Muslims are only those people who have accepted Islam, made a decision to accept Islam. He said other people are doing the same thing 
that we do here in the United States with Christianity. Yeah, we go to church because my grandfather went to church or my uncle made that church. Right. Or my father was Christian and I ain't never been to church day in my life. And neither has he. It's tradition. We just don't call it that. You know, and so I thought my father was being facetious. He's being ignorant because he don't know Islam. He don't know the Salaf. He what did my father know. Come on, man. But 20 years later, because he told me this in the 90s before I went to Mauritania. I find him. He's true. Most of the people even here in Mecca, they're just doing what they did. And if you ask them about it, they don't have a clue. You ask these girls, why are you wearing your cob? And they're looking at you and tell because they, oh, my father told me I have to wear the cob. I'm not going to embarrass the family. But your neck is showing. So what? My <laughs> My dad told me something like that, too, similarly. Yeah, it's true. And, you, and I, I, you know what I said to myself, Tyler, I mean, Abu Sayyid, recently I said, how the hell do these guys know all this stuff and they didn't have no internet? How <laughs> 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 they know so much about the world and they didn't have no internet, man? But they knew a lot of stuff about people from around the world. You know? No. I still don't have an answer to that. But they, I, I found them to be more correct than I've come like full circle. Inshallah. So, alhamdulillah. May Allah make it easy for us. And, 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 and what am I making easy, asking Allah to make easy for us? Our sincerity. We can't allow these things to, allow, to, to get us, to allow us to become bitter. Okay? Nor to become cynical. But we have to accept what realities are so that we can be practical and not gullible. Does, it, does that make sense what I'm saying here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm not saying big, me, little them. No, I'm not sanctifying ourselves. But what I'm doing is saying, keep your eyes open and believe your lying eyes. Allah's messenger didn't tell us these things for no reason. Okay. In these four cases, wow. continue. In these four cases, as long as the actual price differs from the price mentioned by the seller, the buyer has the right of option, whether to cancel or confirm the deal, according to one of the opinions of the Hanbali school. The second opinion in the Hanbali school is that the buyer has no option to cancel the deal, but the deal will be based on the actual price, not the false one told by the seller, and Allah knows best. Okay, two things to understand. The Hanbali school almost always has two positions. And because that, when you get into usul al-fiqh and you get into, you know, the study of fiqh in a deep level, you'll find some people claiming that Hanbali is not even a school. Have you ever heard that, Abu Sa'id? And, uh, well, I've heard, like, Maliki scholars that say they wouldn't consider Ahmad ibn Hanbal to be a faqih, just a muhaddith. That's why they don't okay, mention okay. views in, like, bidayats in which they... Okay, like I said, you're talking to a Maliki, you know, teacher here. <laughs> Continue, Phil, finish your statement. That's all, that, that they wouldn't mention his views. They wouldn't mention his views because they've seen him as a muhaddith and not a faqih. And there's another reason why, they won't, they, why we normally don't mention his views is because his views are covered by everybody else. 
Normally his view is one of the views of Imam Ahmed, I'm sorry, Imam Shafi'i, Imam Abu Hanifa, or Imam Malik. Nothing he says has not already been said by the other three. Okay? And what he excels over most of them besides Imam Malik is that he has the, he has his Musnad of Imam Ahmed. Okay, so this is what he's known for more as a distinguishing factor as opposed to his statements which are undistinguished. They are just the same as the Shafi, Hanafi, or Maliki stance. And since he has two stances in almost every case, how is that a stance? Okay, yeah. and others would, others would say he's showing the fluidity of Islam. The fluidity of fiqh. Fiqh is not a solid answer. Fiqh has open to interpretation and circumstance. And for that reason, he says, well, depending. Depending on the circumstance. And a lot of times he's correct, depending on the circumstances. It could be either or. It could be this way or that way. And so from that angle, it's true. So, alhamdulillah, I don't want to negate him in totality, but I don't turn to him first. At all. Nor do I promote his statements, except for when the Maliki scholars explain them. And of them, Sheikh Muhammad Salam, in his book, Umdatul Hiqq. Okay? Which he is explaining the Hanbali Madhab and what about it opposes or the proofs of it and why the Malikis have chosen a different position if they have and where they have agreed upon. Alright? So that's one Maliki scholar. Excuse me? Why do you just sing about the Maliki scholar? Is that because that's where you studied? Right, and I can't tell you what the Hanbali, what the Hanafi have said. I haven't studied uh, extensively. I'm only vaguely familiar with the Hanafi madhab, even though I live in Turkey. Okay, so I, I look at the Hanafi madhab mainly from a governmental perspective. Okay, how they run their governments and not how their fiqh rulings have been. Okay, their qudat, not their fuqaha. And also because the Hanafi fiqh is actually three madhabs. So it takes, uh, in my estimation, I was very intimidated by Hanafi uh, fiqh. So I put it off studying it because I couldn't determine which one I should study first. Or if I had to study all three of them. Okay. And so that's the statements of Imam uh, Ahmed himself. And then his two students, Abu Shayba and, 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 and uh, was it Muhammad uh, Shaybani. So these two. I couldn't determine which one was or which out of the three you should study first or, you know, have, have dominance. So because of that reason, I put off studying that particular type of film. As far as Shafi'i Fiqh, yes, I'm exposed considerably to Shafi'i Fiqh. Having grown up in the United States, Shafi'i Fiqh is one of the fiqhs that we get expo- a lot of exposure to before the even Maliki Fiqh or even even Hanbali Fiqh. Okay. And then, of course, I've lived in Egypt and, of course, been exposed to the Shafi'i Madhab in detail. And most of our scholars have been Shafi'i. Imam al-Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, all these people were Shafi'i. So we get exposed to a lot of the Shafi'i fiqh. However, my exposure to it is on the end side of it, what the ruling is, not on their reasoning. So I don't speak from that perspective. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Okay. 
There's a third reason. A third reason is that as a talib al-ilm, you have to choose early in the game, in your studies, what is going to be your foundation. And then you have to stick to that or you wind up going running back and forth, getting nowhere, getting nowhere. Okay. When it comes to fit, I do not hold that you have to study the madhahib past a three or four level, uh, you know, stair step level. That is because 70 percent or 75 percent, depending on how you count it, of all fiqh is agreed upon in the ijma'. And when you study those ijma', you realize how general those, those agreements are. Second, when you study what comes next, which is al-jamhur, what the majority have said, which is the next level after al-ijma', you realize that there's not much left to talk about. Okay? Because you can't go against the jamhur and you shouldn't unless you, number one, know why they chose that position, know why that position is wrong, and have better proof as to what should be done besides what they said. Okay? And usually you don't find that in the classical issues of fiqh. It'll only spill over in issues of modernity. Okay? The issues of, you know, al-fiqh al-waqi'ah how to apply something that wasn't in practice in those times or not clearly having the statement. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question now. What fiqh do you consider yourself a major yamilu? Because, you know, the, the ulama of the past, they didn't claim fiqh like people say they do now. They would say, Kana salafiyan. He was salafiyan in his i'tiqad. Or they would say, i'tiqadan salafiyan. Kana yamilu ila al-malikiyya. So he was salafi in his aqidah, in his principles of faith. As for his practice, he would incline towards, he would lean towards the Maliki or lean towards the Shafi'i or lean towards the Hanafi or Hanbali Madhab. Right? So they yeah. wouldn't say that he was a full-blooded only this because he's not a Muqallid. So his leaning is only towards what? How was he leaning towards that Madhab? Well, his foundation from what I understand he's leaning towards that because that's all what he knows. If he doesn't can't make ijtihad and he doesn't know the answer he's gonna go back to what he's based like what he grew up on or what he knows give me three examples of that in modern times okay. okay if you're raising if you're praying and you raise up from the court and you either put your hands on your chest or put them down a person may incline to Sheikh al-Bani's view of putting his hands down or keeping his hands up like the Hanbalis. That's one example. Another example would be another example. Let me give, let's take that example for a second. That's a good example. If you take Sheikh Al-Albani, Rahimahullah, his view on raising his hands after the Rukul and then laying them down on his sides, holding his hands on his sides, you will note 
that that is the same view of the Hanafis, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's also very interesting to see that Sheikh Al-Albani is from Albania, and that Albania is a Hanafi Medheb country, right? The majority of the adherents of Central Asia in that particular part are Hanafi. So he went back to his, what his people are mostly. If you look at see what Ibn Uthaymin or Sheikh bin Ba'as say, they say, put your hands on your chest like the Hanvalis and the, Hanaf- and the Shafi'is normally do. And those were the major madahib of the Saudiya. Right? Yes, sir. No. Okay. So are they, are they making ijtihad or are they following their madahib? Following the method. Definitely in this issue, they are following a method. What's the proof? That there is no cut and dry answer to the question of what to do with your hands when you rise up from the rukul. Because all of the hadith are weak or vague and you cannot make a religious read, meaning a ruling on an act of ibadah with a weak hadith. So whoever is saying it, you have to do it one way or the other, is following the fatwa, the decision of his madhhab. And we find it very interesting, or we find it indicative of kibarul ulama, senior ulama, still following their madhhab, in those issues where there's difference of opinion and no real strong cut and dry delil for an answer. That's how you incline towards a method. You don't incline towards a method when there is proof, where there's proof directly from the Quran and Sunnah that is clear and un, you know, deniable, then that's your method. Only in the vague issues that you cannot answer clearly, should you be following a method, And that's following the Salaf. Because the four Imams that we claim to be the four Imams of the fuq, of Fiqh are all Imams of the Salaf. They're from those generations. So, alhamdulillah, this is, and this is to kill the idea that it's incorrect to follow these guys. What's incorrect is to, to, you know, for the educated person, that is, to blindly follow anybody or any one of them blindly. Because if he's educated, he has the ability to understand. Now, it's not wrong for an uneducated person to blindly follow any one of these mother. That's exactly what children do, right? They follow their parents. They offer the salah the way their parents do. They pay zakah the way their parents taught them. They offer the, the they perform hajj and umrah the way their parents told them to, and how they give zakah and everything and fast. They're not blamed because they don't have the intellectual acumen necessary in all cases to determine these issues. The same thing can be said to a muqallid, an ignorant person who just doesn't know the sharia. He is okay to make taqlid. The only one who's not bound is the one who has Islamic knowledge. About those things. And I say this because we make it a big, big fight all the time about this particular issue. And there's no reason for it. It's just a distraction from the, from the people who, who are following Shayateen to divide and keep 
people talking about something that should only take a day to discuss and not even a full day to discuss and come to grips with and keep on moving. I, I think yes. less of this uh, being more prevalent nowadays. I've Say again, seen, I didn't, I didn't I, hear you. I think I've seen less of the lemon, like the no method type of uh, idea nowadays. Now, right now, just um, listening to different like early mind things like this. I always see scholars saying that you should learn a method. Even when That's I fine. wait, I was I asked couple of scholars to know, learn the method. Like, you should learn the method. I, I don't see really people saying don't, except for them being, like, ignorant. Right. But you have a lot of these people. The ones that say no method, sadly, are mostly convert Muslims mm-hmm. living in the West. Uh-huh. Okay? And usually those convert Muslims don't have a declared teacher. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has converted to Islam and has humbled himself to accept the teacher, understands that they have to follow a method. It's just like learning Kung Fu. You're going to learn Kung Fu. You have to get a black belt before you start making your own style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how, how you know how to fight? If you, don't, if you already know how to fight, why do you need to go to school then, right? So, yeah. of course. And you find also that these people, and I believe this was a plot, these people who are saying no method, they are the most ignorant when it comes to fit. Nah. You find you find people, and may Allah protect the people who claim to follow the Salaf and the Apida, turn around and they can't tell you how many chapters of fit there are. They can't tell you anything about fit. They swear they know the deen and they follow the Quran and Sunnah, but they can't even explain to you what the title of the chapters are or what <laughs> how to do any aspect of the fit. And this is because they have been taught incorrectly and they have not sat down to study because if you say you're not going to study any method then what book can you read what can you study how can you learn the Quran and Sunnah Mm -hmm. so it's a trick to get the people from learning in my estimation but I'm glad that it's lessening I'm so glad that it's lessening because that means knowledge will grow you know people will be able to grow in their deen and may Allah allow us to grow in our deen Continue. Sheikh, I have a quick, I have a question about what you just mentioned. In your estimation, when people say that they're following a medheb, or they're following the rulings of the medheb, how much of that is actually following the imam, like Abu Hanifa or Imam Shafi'i, and how much of that is following the students in that, or like, maybe like the, the known sheikhs inside that method, but not the actual founder of the method. Okay, you're splitting hairs now. First thing I would like to say, because the method is based upon the statements and the and, and the views of the scholar that it follows, and on the outside you see the name, but once you start studying the history of how they documented the uh, what do you call it, the method, you know you have to go to the students. Because they're the ones who wrote it down, just like what you're doing now. You're taping our classes, right? You're organizing it. I'm not doing that. You are, but you're in the classroom. You know what I mean. You're having conversations with me outside of the classroom, right? You know what I said to, can you fix this up? Can you cut this out? Could you put that in? Those students would be the ones, the best ones, to present the imam's position 
and his usul. This is another part that most people don't understand. When mm-hmm. you start studying the madhab, you have to learn that imam's usul. What are his fundamentals? And you say, well, when you listen to those conversations, you'll know he used to say this. He used to say that. Well, what do I always say? I say always turn back to the maqasid of the sharia, right? My deen, my mind, my wealth, my honor, my lineage, myself. I'm always talking about al-ijma. These are some of Abu Tabu's usul. No. I'm always talking about the five major principles of usul al-fiqh. Because I'm teaching you how to think in fiqh. He did a whole class just on thinking in fiqh. This is how we began, right? Oh, so these, fun, these become the shiks usul that only the students who sat with him would know. Only those who spent years with him would understand how he came about those decisions. And so they are in the best position to articulate that. Okay? In paper, in writing, you know, and then in the finality of the decisions. And then years later, there comes those bright stars like Imam Anawawi, who becomes the spokesman for the Shafi'i fiqh. But look at Imam Anawawi. Look at who he is. Never married. Right? No. He wrote volumes of books that have had kubul acceptance across madhabs. No one cares what madhab Imam Nawawi was. Everybody reads his books. Riyadh al-Salihin, Arba'in and Nawawi. They go beyond madhab. That tells you something. Okay? Yes, sir. So, alhamdulillah. That's what, uh, I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. Okay. Jazakallah khair. All right. Go ahead. Yes, sir. The seventh type of option, the option in the case of difference. If the buyer and seller differ about the price, the commodity, its amount, or its quality, and they have no proof, each of them must swear by Allah that he tells the truth. After that, each of them has the right to cancel the deal if he is not satisfied with the oath of the other. Okay, so now there's a difference of opinion here in the way I learned. When there's a challenge on the price, it goes back to the seller. The decision goes to the seller. Why? It's his product. He owns it. Thank you. He has possession. He owns it. He can say whatever the price is. Maybe you misunderstood him. Whatever the case is, it's his right to demand what he wants for his product. And it doesn't go to this, to this, to the option of the, the buyer to demand a price. He can take it or leave it. Okay. There, there doesn't need to be a swearing of an oath and we don't swear oaths when it's unnecessary. Now, hmm. look at the end of it. It says, after that, each of them has the right to cancel the deal if he is not satisfied with the oath of the other. There's no necessity for oath. I'm selling this product for $50. Well, you told me $40. You, you heard me wrong, brother. $50 is how much I'm selling this product for. Do I have to swear by Allah? No. I'm selling it for $50. You don't like it? Kick rocks. That's all. I mean, really, I don't know. I don't accept that. Okay, no problem. Give me my product back. Okay? So, because it's usually we're talking about payment on, de- on, on delivery. This is the only time this becomes an issue. 
It doesn't become an issue if you pay before you receive. Does that make sense? Yes, sir, because the payment was already made. Yes, sir. That's right. So that's why I say that as a principle, we do not swear by a law when there is no need to swear by a law. Whenever you're asked to swear by a law, if you're not, if you're asked, you can refuse. You can only be ordered to swear by a law by who? Who can order you to swear by a law? The only one that can order you to swear by a law. The judge. That's right. You see where, why, why I have a point, a point with this particular issue? Who are yes, they sir. swearing by a law for? They're not swearing by a law in front of each other. Not by the demand of the other one, because no one can demand the other to swear by a law. Except yes, the Qadi. And then at the end it says that if you're not satisfied with that anyway, like, I'll accept yeah. that. Yeah, how, how am I going to be satisfied with your oath? There's another principle. There's a principle of zuhud. Okay, zuhud, some people may not understand when I use the term of zuhud. This is the part of the character of the deen. You find a lot of people who study tasawwuf, they are learning some of these principles. Sadly, a lot of people who follow the sunnah are not studying the issues of zuhud. From the principles of zuhud is that if someone swears by Allah, you say you accept his oath. Okay, this is a principle. One person said, well, I, my ears have lied to him. He swore by Allah, Allahu Akbar, and my ears were wrong. I, my eyes were wrong. I must be wrong. This is your love for Allah. This is your commitment to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't belie the one who swore by Allah. We don't believe that someone could swear by Allah and be lying, even if we know they lied. This is our protection of the deen. And this is why we don't seek to get someone to swear by Allah when it's not necessary. I think it was Ibn Mas'ud said, it's better that I swear by Allah and tell a lie than I swear by something else and tell the truth. Okay, it may sound strange, okay, but we them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every case. So it may not be, under, you know, clear why I'm making this a point, but the issue is, is surrounds the necessity of swearing the oath and how we should respect someone who swears an oath by the name of Allah, even if they don't mean it, just to show them how great that is with us. And that's more important than anything else that's going on in all the cases. And if it's an issue of life and death and blood, then they have saved themselves until Yom Qiyam. Okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Rather the issue go unresolved because they swore by Allah, than us call someone who swears by Allah a liar. And, de- and, and, and belittle and lessen the greatness of swearing by Allah, the protection of swearing by Allah. What happened in the, and we have an example of this in the Sharia. There was a man who said he caught his wife in the bed with another man. And so he called her for li'an. And he said, don't you know, I saw you, I saw the guy leaving my house. I don't think he saw penetration, but you saw that guy was leaving my house and now you're pregnant. That ain't my child. 
And he made the oath four times, five, fifth time, made a curse of the law be upon him if he told the lie. And she swore four times that he was wrong. And then the fifth one, she hesitated. And they thought she was going to tell the truth and say, no, well, you know what? I did it. But her family was looking at her. Her clan was looking at like, don't you embarrass us, girl. Go to hell. Go to Jahannam, but don't embarrass us. And she mm. swore and made a curse of Allah beyond if she's lying. And the prophet said, if the child looks like this, she's telling a lie. It's this, No, he didn't say that. If the child looks like this, then it's so-and-so's child. He didn't call her a lie. And sure enough, the child was born as a spitting image of a man that was coming out of her house that her husband had seen. Yeah, and yeah. the Prophet Sallallahu said, if she hadn't sworn by Allah, I would have established the head on her just by looking at the baby. But she swore by Allah, I ain't going to touch her. Do you understand, guys? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Understood. Beauty of swearing by Allah. Yeah. Protection that we grant someone who swears by Allah. Okay? So we don't show up Yom Kiyama and he said he swore by Allah and you still punished him? He swore by me and you still punished him? No. Not me. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Continue. The eighth type of option, the option in the case of quality change. Sometimes a buyer purchases a commodity which he has seen sometime before concluding the deal, and then he discovers that its quality has changed. In this case, the buyer has the right of option whether to cancel or confirm the deal, and Allah knows best. Okay, so look here. We got an example here. Let's see. Abu Sa'id, he buys sea moss. I call it seaweed, right? He buys sea moss. He wants the sea moss from Tanzania off the coast of East Africa. He's seen it. It's red seaweed or whatever, sea moss and stuff like that. And the guy has it. And then he says, okay, man, let me get some of that. That's the, the stuff that most of my customers want. And the guy sends it to him. And when he gets it, he notices this guy must have had this for a year in storage or something because the quality is not the quality that I'm accustomed to. It's not the one that my customers are used to. Right? I can't demand from them this because when they see this thing, I say, hold on, this ain't the right say it's not even doing the thing it's supposed to do. Is that a real good situation, Noble Said? Perfect. Right. Now what do you want? You want to break on the price, right? Or you want to give it back? Yeah, either or. Right? You can't charge me for red seaweed and give me green seaweed. They're not smoking it. <laughs> Hopefully they ain't smoking it. <laughs> you feel you? But you understand my point. So this is the case. Same thing could be said to Dr. Maisha. If she sees certain medical equipment that works a certain way, the particular quality type of metal or steel or what do you call it, silver that she has and then they send her some qualities like this cheap stuff she can't even cut with that it won't even cut those scissors won't even cut hair or the forceps cut or whatever the thing or the little scissors that come they pinch no she can't use that 
gonna send that back. Taken off Amazon and that. It was so bad. Like the quality was terrible. So there has the everybody has dealt with this. If you change the quality, we change the price. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It makes sense. All right, we're ending here. Yes. Okay, I have before we end. I have a big problem. I keep trying okay. to catch up by listening to the recordings, and they won't play properly on uh here on Skype. Okay, don't worry about that. We got a, we have a big solution for you. Dr. Maisha, did you see the note that I left in the Skype room for you? Instructions? No. no. Okay, I'll, I'll resend them to you. But we have these now released in the form of a podcast, and it's super easy to uh, to subscribe to that, and you'll get the episodes coming in to your to your podcast app as as they're released. What podcast? I gotta subscribe to a podcast app. I gotta get a podcast app. Yes, it's 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 easy. I'll I'll send you instructions to do it, or you can just go to the website. Either way, but um. Okay, let's do this. When class is over, call me. I'm not, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, listen. Let me let me tell you something, um, Tyler Boyd. I I get I get her answer because some of the stuff you guys do is so confusing to us. It's so confusing. I'm, I'm like, yo, what did you do? How did that happen? You know, you know, it's true. It is so true. My father. You go there. My father. Yeah, man. My father won't even call sometimes because he doesn't usually know how to use WhatsApp. He, he's like, oh, I don't know how, how you guys my, make My parents calls. are like that too. Yeah. They, they won't use WhatsApp or anything. They just use the regular phone. Yeah, my phone's like, yeah, I don't know how, you know, what the thing is, it's always going lost in my pocket, you know, what I don't know how to answer the phone. And the only time I get to talk to him on it is when my brother goes over to the house and does it. He says, man, what did you do? And he just can't catch it. He just doesn't, you know, just know how to do it. So, you know, so Dr. Maisha, she's not old, but we are old fashioned and these phones are very, very confusing. I don't even know why we call them. Yeah. Phones, I- you know? They're computers, and I have I. If I UB's not right here, like he does all that stuff for me, I cannot. <laughs> or, or, or or my or my ten year old, or my ten. I was about to say, I was talking to a lady. She picks up the phone. Lady. She goes, "Oh, pop, pop, pop." I was like, "What did you do, Medina?" It's easy, mom. <laughs> I was talking to a, a lady on and on the phone. They were doing quality, not quality control, but I was in. You know, where you're asking for them to do certain things for you on uh, the, what is that thing called? Let me see what it's called. Audible, on the Audible, the Audible app. And they were like, okay, okay, sir. Well, do you have a child? Do you have a child next to you? Says, yes, let me speak to her or him, you know? And I was like, are you serious? They were like, yes, yes. Let me, we, and so I give the phone to my child. And they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here you go. Okay, yep. And I'm like, yo, these people actually told me to get off the adult to get off the phone and put. Are there any children in the? Are there any children in the house? It's true. Yeah, because they know it's true too. 
you know, hey, sir, how old are you? 50, okay, don't worry about it. Just any children in the house, just bring them forward and give them a phone. We'll take care of you. I said, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. Even my baby, I think there's something inside that these children these days, because even my baby, they pick up the phone and they're able to do things that I said, wow, how did they know to do that? You know, so I don't know what it is, but. It's in the water, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, definitely she's going to need some help. So if you can call her and help her walk her through it and those types of things, that would be greatly appreciated. Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you guys. I'm going to Thank end you. here. Oh, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Sure. It was always, always, you know, these classes are very wonderful classes because they are, you know, a conversation of fiqh that people don't realize have to take place when you're learning fiqh. One of the major problems that Westerners have in learning Islam is they want to hurry up and finish. You know, we get nervous. I want to get the book, read the book. At the end, I'm going to be a different person. And it doesn't happen that way. You know, I mean, not that you can't be, you know, learn something from a, a, a book and, and benefit. It's not true. You can learn a lot and be different. But normally the changes are subtle changes that happen over the course of time. Things that you learn and you apply and then, you know, as you're applying them, you learn them even better. So we have to keep on this consistency in doing these lessons. And may Allah make it easy for all of us. Wa subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaykum salam.